And the game is this. And so if you've got something you can mark down, because you, might, you still might need to document it, right? Over the remainder of our time, and, and typically that'll be 30 minutes, but with me it could be longer, you never know. With your program in front of you, I want to challenge you in this game to think of Jesus or God or to look at the cross, to be mindful of God once every minute. And when you do that, just take your pen and mark it on the program every time you're mindful of God. Now, it could help. I'm going to be talking about God, and that counts. So you're like, oh, he talked about God. Boom, right? But once a minute, just, just keep, this is a game here. Now, I don't know if you've read those kinds of stats to say how much we think about different things, you know, right? And, and there's all kinds of studies out there, what people think about with their time. We, we can do this. But just once a minute is the game. One time a minute to think about God. And I forgot to do the offering, so that's, this game starts in this. So we begin now. And if you think about God and the offering, that counts, right? But that, that's our game today. And if you, I guess you can use your phone, but you can just kind of eye it, use your pen, mark it on there every time you've thought of God. Every time you look over and you see the blanket next to you, and you just say, Jesus, help. Check the box, right? I mean, this, these are little reminders. Everything, look at the hymnal, right? Pull open your Bible. Any of this stuff, check, check it. And so now we're going to take our offering. If you've got your prayer requests um, and needs for in there, we're going to receive those. And this is our chance of just thanking God for everything good that he gives us to worship him in our giving. So Lord, would you multiply would you multiply good in this world? Would you multiply the move, your move in this world, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in this city, in this state, in our country, in, in this continent, Lord, all over it? Would your good, would people flourish by your good work? And God, would you equip us and breathe upon us to participate in your good? Would you invite us to join you? Would we have the courage to jump into those needs? And God, would you provide what is needed? We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to sing the doxologies. This is being passed, and the words are behind me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. If you thought about God, check, put a check on the, right? Once a minute. Today, we're in this series, um, and it's called Heroic Journey. And if you've been with us since the beginning of January, Frank Mayo's artwork represents who we've been. And over here on the first, on your left, that's Catherine Booth, who was one of the founders of the Salvation Army, and was moving people in, 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 in London, in that area, in order to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and to stepping into needs among the poor, and the impoverished, and the addicted, among the children and women who were being enslaved in work, dangerous work environments, right? And she was hearing the call of God to step into that, this heroic journey. She was a proclaimer of truth, a teacher, a pastor, a prophet. A prophet. Uh, on week two, that is St. Patrick, who was an evangelist to Ireland, who was enslaved to Ireland as a youth, but went back by the call of God. And through the missionary movement of a missionary community, Ireland as a, con as a country was christened 
thousands of missionaries and thousands of baptisms through someone just living among people and loving them and inviting them into their habits of engaging in Jesus. And last week you were with us, Dan taught us as we were celebrating Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday over that weekend. This was John Lewis, who is a U.S. representative in Georgia currently, but who was one inviting, uh, standing up in the civil rights movement and with the segregation of the interstate busing, how he stepped into that with other pastors and began to proclaim the truth of the reality of the equality of all people. And he courageously stepped into these things. And so these were all these heroic journeys. Those are heavy. Those are costly. And we're sensing that God's inviting us into heroic journeys. So today we wanted to pause. For many of us are stepping into heroic journeys right now as we even try to step into the life that God's inviting us into and caring for our neighbors, our families, and the poor, and the impoverished, whatever it is. And you say, how do you do this? How do you step in without burning out? How do you come out of it with a live soul when the demands of the world and the pain of the world are so huge? Anyone that I know who have attempted to step into a heroic journey or who want to say yes to what God is inviting them to meet the deep needs of the world in some way feels like they get sunk at different times. And so today I want to talk about a journey who went on a heroic journey, talk about a missionary who went on a journey and, and how his soul kept intact. And I think this is huge for us as we begin to step even into the warming center and say, how do we do this? How do we engage with God? The missionary you want to talk about is someone named Frank Laubach. Frank uh, was a missionary in the Philippines. Um, you may, majority of people have never even heard of Frank Laubach, even though that he does have some uh, national recognition for the things that he has done. But what I want to talk about what he did was, was this, is that he attempted to have a deep communion with God. Really, he said he wanted, to re, he wanted to stay connected with God intimately in friendship. And he said, you know what? Life can really be summed up in three questions. Let me ask you these questions. Do you believe in God? Now, that, that first one is maybe an easy question. And for you're in church, maybe some of you don't yet. But the majority, even if you don't even call yourself a Christian, this idea of do you believe in God? Some say, yeah. But Frank said, oh, that, that, that's easy. I mean, the demons believe. And believing in God really isn't all that um, profound, but do you believe in God? That doesn't get us very far. He says next, are you acquainted with God? And somebody say, yes, I'm acquainted with God. But he said, ah, being acquainted with God is like uh, I'm acquainted with somebody I do business with, you know. I'm, I'm acquainted with the, the barista down at Starbucks. I, I'm acquainted with them. I'm acquainted with a lot of people, but that also doesn't get you very far. And then he said this, well, here's the last question, and here's the question I want to ask you. Are you a friend of God? Or you could say it this way, do you love God? Now, to be a friend or to love God means you have to know God. To be a friend with God means that you'd be with him and he would be with you in this intimate relationship. He says, how is this achieved? To be a friend of God, to love God, most precisely as any friendship is achieved by doing things together. The depth and the intensity of the friendship will deepen upon variety and the extent of the things that we do enjoy together. Friends must walk together. They cannot stand long together, for that means death to friendship and to life. And so Frank set himself out to live in intimacy with God. Now, if I said to you here today, 
what does time with God look like? Is that like maybe reading your Bible? Doing a devotional? Being very set on what we're doing? Religious things. Sitting in a church, time with God. I just said God, and if you thought of God, you can mark your minute. Time with God. And Frank was like, no, um, time with God is time. Every moment of every day. And if you're mindful that God is with you and in you, it's time with God. He just sort of chose to believe that and to practice that. And it changed his life. And his life journey was to encourage a people to say, hey, time with God is not devotional reading or prayer time or that. It's being awake and alert and present. Frank um, was this missionary, and that's why I invite us to kind of be challenged by this. See, Jesus when he was with his disciples and he he gave them this great commission of making disciples, he said this to them, I'm with you always. I'm with you always. And I I think at some level, we're all sort of maybe maybe cognizant of that, some reality. God is with us. He's everywhere and everything. He's, He's under this blanket. He's behind the candle. He's sitting next to you, right? But how, how much are you cognizant that God is with you? In you, present with you. How often through the day are you aware of that? Now, Frank was just one of these people who said, I am so dissatisfied with this, my reality of God being present with me and with me. He was so dissatisfied with it. It was like my, my life with God is dismal. Not because God wasn't with them, because he was unaware and unwilling to be aware and distracted, and unled. So Frank longed to do something different. When he was 45 years old, he was a missionary in the Philippines for 15 years among a people who, were, he was among an illiterate group of people. And he was there, and he couldn't speak their language, and he was there to share the good news with them and teach them to read. Um, and became so dissatisfied, and he was writing about his experience and this challenge that he was being called into. He wrote a little book called Letters from Our Modern Mystic, and they were notes that he was writing to his father. I'm going to read for you what he wrote to his father and this little journey that he was upon and what he experienced. I pray that it would make you jealous. I pray that it would make you hungry. I pray that if you're unsatisfied with your life and with your relationship with the living God, that you would feel encouraged that there was something more and not something you had to strive after. If you are guilty right now with your relationship with God, I wish I could just say, go, uh, be at ease. Do not let guilt drive you. What drove Frank was dissatisfaction and loneliness. And so if you are lonely or dissatisfied or weary, then it's for you. And may God create a hunger and an invitation saying, this is for you a gift. And so I'm dissatisfied. And so may we hear of a free and an easy and an opportunity to step into a rich river of life with God. These are Frank's writings. 89 years ago, almost to the day. I love that. I love connecting time and story. And so may God meet us as he met Frank when he was pinning these in the Philippines.
So Frank Laubach, he set out to practice the presence of God, meaning that he set out to make his life an experiment to see if he could live every moment in conscious awareness of God being with him. This is January 20th, 1930. These are his writings to his father. Submission is the first and the last duty of man. That's exactly what I have been needing in my Christian life. Two years ago, a profound dissatisfaction led me to begin trying to line up my actions with the will of God about every 15 minutes or every half an hour. Other people whom I confessed this intention said it was impossible. I judge from what I have said that few people are trying even that. But this year, I have started out trying to live all my waking moments and conscious listening to the inner voice, asking without ceasing, what, Father, do you desire said? What, Father, do you desire done this minute? That's the game of minutes. Six days later, January 26th, 1930. Today is January the 27th. For the past few days, I've been experimenting in a more complete surrender than ever before. I'm taking, by deliberate act of will, enough time each hour to give God much thought. Yesterday and today, I have made a new adventure, which is not easy to express. I'm feeling God in every movement by the act of will, willing that he shall direct these fingers that now strike the typewriter, willing that he shall pour through my steps as I walk, willing that he shall direct my words as I speak and my very jaws as I eat. You will object to this intense introspection. Do not try it unless you feel unsatisfied with your own relationship with God. But at least allow me to realize all the leadership of God I can. I'm disgusted with the pettiness and the futility of my unled self. If the way out is not more perfect slavery to God, then what is the way out? I'm trying to be utterly free from everybody, free from my own self, but completely enslaved to the will of God every moment of this day. What is the way out of the unled self? What is the way out of the slavery that he felt even to his unled self? If it's not to completely give yourself to God, what is it? These are his writings. This was... 89 years ago. A few months as he's been experimenting with this. Here's what he says. April 18th, 1930. I have tasted a thrill in fellowship with God which has made everything discordant with God disgusting. This afternoon, the possession of God has caught me up with such sheer joy that I thought I never had known anything like it. God was so close and so amazingly lovely that I felt like melting all over with a strange, blissful contentment. Having had this experience, which comes to me now several times a week, the thrill of filth repels me, for I know it's power to drag me from God. And, in, and after an hour of close friendship with God, my soul feels as clean as new fallen snow. He's talking about these experiences of just being with God, mindful of God that he's with him. And he says, it's transforming me. Are you jealous for that? It's not religious. It's mindful. God is present. And, and he's being mindful of this. 
That was April the 18th. Here's April the 19th, just to give you, um, maybe to encourage you because this feels like my life. He's saying that I had this great experience one day later. If this, record of a, if this record of a soul struggle to find God is to be complete, it must not omit the story of difficulty and failure. I have not succeeded very well so far. This week, for example, has not been one of my finest in my life. But I resolved not to give up. I resolved not to give up the effort. And here's huge. Yet strain does not seem to do good. He's not straining here. Well, as you experiment with anything, for any of you who've tried to do something, you have to strain if you're going to add effort. You're going to have to get to a spot where you strain. And you realize straining actually doesn't help. He's like, you know what? Straining doesn't actually do good for me in this. This is not a straining exercise of the will. Yet strain doesn't seem to do good. At this moment, I feel something let go inside. And lo, God is here. It's a heart-melting hearness, a lovely whispering of father to child, and the reason I did not have it before because I failed to let go. This is his journey of connecting with God intimately. One, a uh, couple days later, April 22nd. This morning I started out fresh by finding a rich experience with God in the sunrise. Then I tried to let him control my hands while I was shaving and dressing and eating breakfast. Now I'm trying to let God control my hands as I pound the typewriter keys. There is nothing that we can do except to throw ourselves open to God. There is, there must be so much more in him than he can give us. It ought to be tremendously helpful to be able to acquire the habit of getting, of reaching out strongly after God's thoughts and to ask, God, what have you put into my mind now if only I can be, I can be large enough That waiting, eager attitude ought to give God the chance he needs. Oh, this thing of keeping in constant touch with God, making him the object of my thought and the companion of my conversations is the most amazing thing I've ever ran across. It is working. I can't even do it half a day. Not yet. But I believe I shall be doing it sometime for the entire day. It's a a matter of acquiring a new habit of thought. Now I like God's presence so much that when a half an hour or so he slips out of mind and he does many times a day, I feel as though I've deserted him and as though I've lost something very precious in my life. He begins to continue talking about this reality of being with God and and stepping back and in and listening and and about God speaking through him with prayers and and, and insight. Everything changed in Frank's life as he began to do this. Do you understand? He's not talking about religious things. He's saying whatever he's doing, he's inviting God into it. When he's pondering a problem, he's inviting God to ponder the problem with him. When he's shaving, he's inviting God to will his hand to shave. When he's eating, he's inviting God to be with him. When he's seeing people, he's inviting God to be with him in it. And he sees people, this active reality of being present with God in everything. He created these games that he could play, like we're playing now. Now he discourages us, you can't play this all day long. It's overwhelming. But you can practice it and continue to hold on to this. But he began to see his life transformed. He said this was the hardest thing he did, but it made everything else easy. Everything. He saw his stress being removed. He saw his fears doing. He saw his addictions slipping away. And some would say, you know what? 
I mean, Frank was a missionary in the Philippines, and he couldn't speak even to the people. So, you know what? I mean, he could do this, but uh, I'm an accountant. I'm a financial planner. I'm a teacher. I, I'm home with kids. I, I you know, right? It, it, can't, I can't, it can't work for me, right? You, you can't actually do that. It will hinder my productivity. Well, Frank said, you know what? It's actually, it's the opposite. His experience was that actually made him more productive, And he said, you actually can do this. You can invite Jesus to step into everything. He actually wrote out things for accountants. He said, oh, if you're a salesperson, here's how you can do this with every minute. If you're an accountant, here's how you can do this. Invite Jesus into everything. Invite him into the conversations. Now other people are sitting around you. You got to figure out ways to do this without being super weird. But he said it was incredibly possible. Here's what he said about concentration. And he, this, is, this is period. He says, oh, I mean, certainly there are periods when busyness and pleasures and crowding companions must necessarily push God out of our thoughts. Of course, this is self-evident. If one thinks of God all the time, he will never get anything else done. So I thought too until now. But I'm changing my view. We can keep two things in mind at once. Indeed, we cannot keep one thing in mind more than half a second. Mind is a flowing something, it oscillates. Concentration is merely the contentious return to the same problem from a million angles. We do not think of one thing, we always think of the relationship of at least two things, and more often of three or more things simultaneously. So my problem is this, can I bring God back into the mind flow every few seconds? So that God shall always be in my mind as an after image. Shall always be one of the elements of every concept and, per, and precept. This we said, can I bring him back into it? So here's, here's the proof of Frank saying that he was able to do more as he did this. He's practicing this. Um, and as he's doing so, he's working with an illiterate people. And he comes up with a literacy method to teach people to read. And he changed the literacy of, of Right now, I mean, he has taught 100 million people to read. Within, within that time that he was in the Philippines, he taught 45,000 people to read who were completely illiterate. And he taught people who were illiterate to teach people to read. He equipped this mass mobilization of literacy. And he did this. He created this method, um, each one teach one. He did this while he was practicing this experiment. God, in flow in my thoughts and everything I do, come and be with me in this endeavor. He saw the greatest need of the people that he was with, their ability to not be able to read or write. He was among 90,000 group of people who couldn't read or write, and he was like, oh, Lord, help me do this. And he did. In 1984, the United States uh, recognized his contribution to the literacy movement of the world because 100 million people had been taught to read through Frank's work. And a stamp was created for him. Most people know of his literacy work. But the reality is his greatest contribution was his experimenting and testing this reality where God could be involved in anything and everything all the time. He says, oh, he, um, as he was working among, this, he was among a Muslim people, he couldn't even speak their language. And so he would play these games with them. He'd look at them. He would just say, Jesus. And he'd look them in the eyes and he'd pray silently for them. That's all he could do. 
And he says he was doing this because he'd go for walks and he'd see the people. And he could, you know, he's like, I'm not going to evangelize to them. But he says something began to happen as he began to experiment with these games of minutes, just holding God in his mind. They began to change towards him. And a couple of the tribal leaders began to tell everyone in the city that he was in, hey, get to know this guy because they'll help us know God. His fruitfulness and his relationship with God began to flourish and he longed for other people to experiment it. Playing the games of minutes. So here's how you play. Here's what counts. He made this list. Okay, what, what is it like to continue to pull God back into the mindfulness of your day that he is with you, that he is near to you, that he loves you? And he says, oh, here's some things you can do. You can, you can pray. You can recall God just by saying Jesus. Jesus. So if, you, if you just said Jesus to yourself, you can mark on your sheet of paper. You can sing a hymn or a devotional hymn. My father-in-law, my dad, he hums and sings hymns all the time. So you can hum and hymn all day long, dad, if you want. You can talk or write about God. You can seek to relieve suffering of any kind in a prayerful spirit. You can work with the consciousness of God's presence in your doing. And you're working a consciousness of God being with you in your reading, reading, being with God in your reading, in your studying, being with God in your studying. It's just a mindfulness in your teaching, being with God in your teaching, inviting him to be with you. You can whisper to God. You can feel yourself encompassed by God. You can look at a picture or a symbol of Christ. You can read a scripture or a poem of God. You can give someone a helpful hand for the Lord's sake. You can breathe a prayer for the people you meet. That prayer can even be internal. It's like, bless them, right? I can just look at you and I can long for God's good to be for you. Without even saying a word, being mindful of God's love for the people. You can reach down, you can touch the blanket next to you, and even in your soul, just say, Jesus, save. Right? It's just mindfulness, God with us in everything. And it changes everything. You can follow the leading of the inner voice. You can plan or work for the kingdom of God. You can testify to others of God, the church, in his name. You can share suffering and sorrow with another. You can hear God or see him in flowers, trees, water, hills, and sky. It's inviting God into everything, inviting him into your eating, into your sleeping, into your rest. And this is what Frank did. So let me give you a few examples on how to do this. So, so one of them, he said, hey, can you have pictures of Jesus? Now again, this was the 1930s. There's not many pictures of Jesus. For now, we can go on the internet and we can find all kinds of pictures of Jesus. Just type it in. And for those of you who have phones... So I, I have this picture of Jesus now as my, um, on the front of, you can't really see it. I think, yeah, it's, it's this one. It's, it's one of the older pictures of Jesus. I have issues with the ethnicity of Jesus because I have issues with white Jesus, right? But, hey, if you're into white Jesus, you can have white Jesus, right? But, the, but I, I, I'm looking for an ethnic Jesus who maybe looked like Jesus. Now again, it's not really, it doesn't really matter what Jesus looks like. It's meant to draw you back in to be mindful. Oh, Jesus. So I look at my phone, Jesus, you're with me. You're with me as I read the text. You're in me as I respond to the text. You're with me as I read the news. You're in this. And so I've got this one. I found some other pictures of Jesus. It's meant to draw you back. Now, Frank said, find a picture of Jesus where he's, he's friendly looking, right? Because it's meant to draw you in, not to make you afraid. <laughs> so now again, I think this next one is probably a little dangerous, but no. So I don't, you know, is it friendly now? If that helps you, use it. It was too friendly for me. It doesn't help me. It, but whatever it is, let it draw you, right? Let, let it stir you. 
back to Jesus. Um, he said that we're like babies learning to walk. We need things to grab onto, right? We need something to cling to. And so what is it that we could cling to, to continue to cling our minds to, to practice this? In the same way that when you were learning to walk as a child, many of you can't even remember that, right? Um, it was hard. It was difficult. You didn't have the muscles to do so. You didn't have the habits and the patterns, and you were looking for something to grab a hold of. And he says, we need to find all these things that we can grab a hold of. Eventually, we didn't have to hold on to those things. We learned the habits and the patterns, and now walking is second nature. He says, allowing God to be part of our constant flow and the part of our constant attention and part of our constant conversation is possible through the idea of creating the habit and finding patterns of things that we can cling on to. And so what are things that we can cling on to? A picture of Jesus. I mean, you can print one off and you can put it on your desk, right? A, a, a cross, looking at the cross, right? It, that's something to cling onto to help us. He said having an open chair, sitting next to you, being mindful that Jesus is with you is something you can cling onto. A song or a hymn that you can hum, come back to and, and hum. Um, seeing people and being mindful of them and looking at them and praying quiet prayers as you even see them is something you can hang on to as you begin to practice and to play. We, we could do this right now. He says, how do you do this in a crowd? So, all right, we're going to do it. In a crowd. We want to see double, as Jesus does. We want to see the person as he is and the person Christ longs to make him. This is, this is all from Frank's book called um, Letters from a Modern Mystic. And then he has another sub, a book that's at the end of it called Games with Minutes. And so he says, this is what you do. So, um, for those in tune... Uh, so the atmosphere, what you want to do is just you want to look at them and begin to pray for people. Um, and as you begin to do this, the, the room changes. When there are a few people, there's whispering to Jesus all about the rest. Perhaps there's no finer ministry than just to be in meetings or in crowds whispering Jesus. And then helping people whenever you see an opportunity. Right? So here, here's what I want you to do. This is going to be really weird, but we're going to do it. Um, I want you to look at the people around you. See them. And as you see them, just silently to yourself, just whisper inside, Jesus. Now, you can add anything to that, right? Just feel Jesus' longings for them. See them. They don't have to see you. And so just look at a few people and just see them. For all they are. And you can say, oh, Jesus, still them, right? Embrace them. Love them. And Frank said as he began to do this, he was with people, he says, do that until God shows you a need. If he shows you a need, then you meet it. But if he doesn't show you a need, don't do anything. Just continue to practice. But you could do this anywhere, walking down the street. I was sitting at Starbucks yesterday, and I was just trying to do it without being too weird. <laughs> but you already know me. I am weird. So, hey, what are you going to do? but I'm also very, very dissatisfied. And I know that, that, that American Christianity is so puny and so weak and, and such without, seems like, any change in anyone's life to really bring about anything besides just some sort of many assurances that we know there's more. For God to capture everything, be a part of your life, 
and for me to be in tune with God more so, as I've been practicing it this week, oh, I feel more life. And I'm not striving. I'm not like being like, oh, I'm going to read the Bible so much more times today. I'm just trying to wake up and look and create minders. Jesus, you're with me. You're with me. Jesus, and tune me. And so can you. He is available for the dissatisfied, the lonely, the weak, the weary, to be near to you, to save you, to sustain you, all by his love for us. And he will begin to show you his goodness. And I believe if we would practice this, our lives would change. Frank says, do it for a month and you'll see change. Do it for six months and you'll be transformed. Do it for 10 years and you'll experience the bliss of glory. May your, may your hunger to experience God go deeper. May you invite him. May you surrender your will. May your dissatisfaction with God lead you to try things differently. And maybe now, even as you've practiced this, may it spill over into the rest of your day, into your sleeping, into your waking, into your napping and your eating and your shaving and your doing and your TV watching. May Jesus make you aware that he is present, not in a weird way that your big brother is looking over your shoulder, but as a loving father who says, I am with you, near you. I want to be with you. And may you begin to experience the joy And may you feel the addictions push away. May you feel the loneliness subside. May you experience presence with God and all the rich fruit that God said, if you would abide in me, you will bear fruit. May those of you willing to experiment make everyone jealous by the richness of your connection with God, not by your striving, but by your letting go and saying, Jesus, come and meet me. So um, let's pray. Oh, first, uh, anybody, did you keep track? Anybody marking your things? Anybody get 10? Raise them high, game players. How about 20? Tom, right, 20? Anybody get, I don't I think maybe there was a 30 minutes. Anybody get 30? May it continue to spill over. Oh, there's a prize for those of you who win. Here's the prize. You get God. If you're like me, when I do these kinds of things, I want the productivity. I want the communion with God, and I want him to tell me what to do so I can do cool things and I can tell you about it. I want the pragmatic stuff that makes me successful. Right? That, that's, that's, all, that, that's the weird stuff. And if you're like me, you'd say, oh yeah, I'm into that too. But here's what Frank said. He says, yeah, yeah. You may even get it all wrong with what God says to you. But here's the gift. You get God. You get his presence, and there is nothing greater than that. Than all that you do. He taught 100 million people to read, and he could care less. He was like, I got God. And he saved my life through Jesus Christ. May he save yours too. May you hear the invitation. He says, come to me. Come to me for a deepness of life that you have not experienced and may it be found. 
Would you pray? Let's stand. And so Jesus, as we've tried to even hold our minds upon you, for what Frank experienced and where it started with one sort of itch for something more, may, there be, may, may that itch, God, be, be happening here. May there be a dissatisfaction, Lord, that would drive your children to the table to eat, to the place to drink where that could actually be met. God, would it drive them away from every other place that they're trying to find it in me too, where it does not provide life, where it just leads us into the same empty, lonely, dissatisfying places. Where we have no answer and no story to share. Jesus, have mercy. Capture our imaginations and our minds. Create a hunger in us for you. Come Holy Spirit and awaken our imaginations to what life with you could be. We thank you for people like Frank and Brother Lawrence and others who have gone before us. May what they experience, may we get to too. It doesn't matter how far off we are. You welcome us. Holy Spirit, come. And come, God, upon the dissatisfied, the lonely, the weary, the weak. Those are so dissatisfied with their religious experience. And come, God, in your person because you satisfy. There is nothing like you. Pray that for my brothers and sisters, for me, Lord come. We pray that for everyone who's coming in here for the next two weeks. You are our only hope. You are the only way out of the enslaved life that we might be bound to you. Bind our minds and wills to you, Lord. Amen.